All right. I want to welcome you now to First uh, Thessalonians class number nine. First Thessalonians class number nine. This is in First uh, Thessalonians chapter number four. First Thessalonians chapter number four. We'll start reading today in verse number thirteen. While you're finding your place, make sure you got your Bible and make sure you have your notebooks and taking notes. And you'll want to go back over these things and and study them from time to time. And as you're getting your place, we'll uh, let you know about a paper that needs to be submitted on an overview. There is no word limit that you have to meet, but it has to be a substantial uh, paper that you'll write and you'll, you will uh, relate to me the best you can, what you've learned in the class so far. You'll be covering chapter 1 through 3. Very basic things and very simple things. So, and these things, this, I'm not asking you what you already knew before the class. And I'm not asking you to, uh, to, to give a separate lesson on anything that you can find in chapter 1, 2, or 3. I'm asking you to submit a paper on what you have learned in this class regarding chapter 1 through 3. You can emphasize any of the chapters that you want. If you learn something profound out of chapter 2, then emphasize that. But still give me a little something out of chapter 1 and chapter 3 as well. If you've learned something great out of chapter 3 and you want to use chapter 3 and, and make that the emphasis, just don't neglect telling me something that you learned out of chapter 2 and chapter 1. And again, we'll go through this every time that we require a paper from you. Uh, we're not going to have tests that, you know, 10 questions and, you know, do your best to answer these 10 questions. I don't really think that's a good way of estimating what a person has learned from the Scripture. I just don't think that's the best way. Somebody else may think that's the best way, and it might be. They might be a lot smarter, but this is the way that I feel that this ought to be done. We'll cover a couple of chapters, and you will give us an overview, a, a survey, if you will, of what you've learned so far and we'll be able to judge whether or not you're, you're paying attention, you're going through the, uh, through the material and paying attention and we'll be able to judge uh, by that whether or not you'll be able to build on what you've learned already. If you, if you do not know the material that we've covered then it's very unlikely that you can build on that going forward. These are simple things. You should be able to build on these th simple uh, teachings and and uh, these things can certainly become very complex in your life. You can take these things to new heights and new levels. There's no limit with God to the things you can learn about simple truths. And so we want to give you a very solid foundation. And this type of examination will let us see uh, that you have what you need uh, to to go to those new heights and so uh, we we will be expecting that and we'll place uh, an email address that you can submit these papers to in the in the uh, file where you found the class and so uh, we'll get that done as soon as we possibly can all right in the meantime be working on your paper and be ready to submit once you get that email address all right uh, we're starting today in Romans, excuse me, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 
and we'll be in verse number 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw or not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, 99.9% of the time when somebody passes over this little passage here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, they will be very, very likely to be teaching Second Advent, something that will take place in the future. They'll be teaching some aspect of the Second Advent. They'll most likely be talking about the rapture. They will most likely be trying to prove a pre-tribulation rapture. That may not be true in every case, but in the circles with which we have anything to do, that is most likely what you're going to hear this passage used to prove a pre-tribulation rapture. I certainly do believe that myself. But I do want to point out to you in verse 13 something that I think we often miss. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye saw or not, even as others which have no hope. So before you get into verse 14 or 16 or 17 or 18, well, we'll leave 18 uh, for a separate comment. But before you get into verse 16 and 17 and start talking about some future rapture, I want you to realize is that this passage of Scripture, uh, that within this passage of Scripture, the rapture itself, it's there. There's no question about that. But the rapture is not the, is not the context. It's not the subject. The rapture is not the subject of this passage of Scripture. The passage is this, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. I don't want you to sorrow like people that have no hope. That is a present application over a future certainty. There is a future certainty that ought to give Christians a present comfort. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Those people who you know, those people who are your loved ones, your, your preacher, your pastor, your teacher, your husband, your wife, your child. He's talking about somebody who knew the Lord as their Savior and they've passed away. The Bible refers to this very carefully as people who sleep because the Bible says that those that believe in Jesus will never, never Never die. If you have a loved one that's saved, they are not dead. You say, well, we buried them in the graveyard. They are not dead. There is a shell out there. There is a shell out there that's waiting to be made whole. There is a shell out there that's waiting to get up out of the ground, be reunited, reunited, and be reunited with its, with its spirit, with its soul. There is a body out there that does not contain uh, your loved one. There's a body out there, but listen, the, the body.
body, the, it, even though it's laying in a grave, is not the end. So that he says that you saw or not even as others which have no hope. Now look what he says. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Will God bring with him. Will God bring with him. The point of this verse is the comfort of those which have lost loved ones and they think maybe this is the end because this is the weak state of the flesh. The weak state of the flesh says someone was here, something was here, it's not here anymore, I've lost it. And that is the terminology that we use uh, when we talk about losing a loved one. We, we've lost them. We've lost a loved one. I've lost a brother. I've lost a sister. I've lost a husband. I've lost a wife. Well, let me tell you, if you know where something is, it's not lost. You lose something, then you don't know where it's at. You lose something, then maybe you don't have any hope that you'll ever see it again. They are not dead. They are asleep. That is only a reference to their body. They are not dead. They are with Christ right now. The reason that I know that they are with Christ right now, the reason I know that they are alive right now, the reason that I know that they are happy right now, the reason that I know that they are without suffering right now, the reason that I know that is because my Bible says, them that are asleep in Jesus will God bring with them. He's going to bring them. They are with him. Therefore, he can bring him. If, if they wasn't with him, then he couldn't bring him. He, he'd have to resurrect them. And when their body gets resurrected, their body's going to be resurrected to meet him in the air, be reunited with their own spirits. Uh, they themselves are going to meet themselves. We often say we're going to meet Christ in the air. Well, if a person has passed away and he's been buried in the graveyard somewhere, one of these days that body's going to be be raised and he's going to meet himself in the air. He's going to meet himself. In all reality, in all physical reality, in all spiritual reality, Christians do not die. This body ceases to function and then we are to be ever with the Lord we are to be present with the Lord we are to be right there with the Lord and so he says for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep and that word prevent has nothing to do with impeding the dead or impeding those that are asleep. That word prevent means is that the fact that we're still alive, the fact that we're still here doesn't interfere. It doesn't, it, and that word prevent has a great meaning when it talks about interference. But it says that we won't prevent them. Our being alive and remaining here on the earth doesn't, uh, the reality of us being here doesn't change the fact that they're going to be reunited with their bodies, that their body is going to be made like into his glorious body. We being alive and remain doesn't prevent them from, from getting their expected end. We expect that if we're alive and remain, we'll be caught up in the air to be with the Lord forever. Well, our expectation of that because we're alive doesn't mean that God's going to forget those who are passed on. And so God's care for us that are living God's attitude toward us that are living, God's maintenance 
of us that live is not a sign, it's not an indication that God has forgot those or that God is unmindful of those that are asleep in Christ, asleep in the body of Christ to be more specific. And that I'm not changing the scripture, I'm just telling you what the scripture means. The dead in Christ, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And so our being here, our being alive, hasn't taken God's attention off of those who we think are dead, those who we consider to be dead. Our being alive and God maintaining us and dealing with us and helping us and meeting our needs hasn't taken his mind off of those that are dead, not in the least. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then meaning after, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So when he says that uh, we that are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, God's going to take care of the dead first. In other words, God's going to reunite them with their bodies, their vile body. Uh, is going to be made like unto his glorious body. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can read that and study that, and you should read that and study that. Tells us, the, tells us that these things are going to be done in the moment and the twinkling of an eye, the changing of our vile bodies. In chapter uh, 15 of 1 Corinthians, it says you plant that body, a natural body. It'll be raised a spiritual body, and that spiritual body is going to meet that spirit of our lost loved ones, and I, I, I say lost loved ones, uh, that's really not a good terminology. The, those loved ones that we have lost to the grave, our their physical bodies will be raised, spiritual bodies, and it, they will meet their spirit in the air. And they'll be changed. And that'll be in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we, us and them. We that are alive and remain and those that are asleep in Christ Jesus. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And so this is the, the sense in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And the sense here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 9 is that this thing is going to happen so fast that the, the rising of the dead, the reunification of a glorified body with a glorified spirit, that thing's going to take care in the, uh, take place in the moment of an, in a twinkling of an eye. And then we that are alive and remain will be caught up with him. That'll take place in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. And the whole thing will happen together. The dead in Christ will rise first. But the speed with which this is going to take place is going to be so fast that the human eye couldn't perceive it. And we'll be only able to perceive it in the sense that we're taking part in it. That's two snaps. But that's not even in comparison to the speed of a twinkling of an eye. And those two snaps represent the raising of the dead and the changing of our vile bodies to be made like into his glorious body and our being those that of those of us who are alive and remain being caught up together with them that both of those both of those events taking place in a moment in the twinkling of an eye 
just like that. It'll be a, we're not going to prevent them. God's attention to us is not going to prevent them. God is going to take care of them first. And we ought to have so much assurance. And we ought to have so much hope that what God has promised to do for us, he certainly will do. And he'll do these things whether we see... And we often do see death as finality. We've lost them. They're gone. They are not lost. They are not gone. And God is going. God is now taking care of them. God is now mindful of them. They may be out of your sight. And sometimes, God forbid, people that have gone on before us, uh, we let them slip from our minds. We let them slip from our thoughts. But they haven't slipped from God's thoughts. They haven't slipped from God's mind. And just that fast, we'll all be reunited, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, here's the subject again of this whole passage of Scripture. Comfort one another with these words. Now we can certainly take this passage and turn it into a teaching about future events. But this passage was not given to us primarily as a passage to teach us about future events. Only in the sense that it gives us hope about that future events. Uh, those future events, pardon me. But what it is is to give us a present application. A present state of mind that tells us, hey, I am uh, sorrowful. But I'm not going to sorrow as one that has no hope. I'm going to sorrow as one that has hope. I'm going to be sad that I've lost a loved one. I'm going to be sad that I'm no longer able to talk with them and fellowship with them. But I'm going to glorify my God because God has a purpose. God has a wisdom. God has a better sense of things than I'm able to have. I don't understand everything about the loss of a loved one. I don't understand everything about the timing. I don't understand about the uh, I don't uh, fully understand uh, anything about the timing of my own death and what I'll be able to accomplish before that and what my family might be able to accomplish after I'm gone but I understand this that God knows and God understands and that God has a plan and that our bodies being laid to, to rest in the dirt doesn't change God's plans and doesn't defeat God's purposes and I may have plans for my life and, and I may have plans for my wife and I may have plans for my children but God has better plans and so that I can look at a future with or without a loved one and know that if that loved one is saved, that loved one is not lost. And that I can have hope in the fact that God's plans are going to be better than my own. And that a future joy, a future joy of reunification with my family, with my loved ones, with my brothers in Christ, with my sisters in Christ, that the joy of that future Reunion is going to be much, much, much greater than the sorrow of a temporary separation. All right, we'll pick up next time in First uh, First Thessalonians chapter number five.